guys all right? Sure? <laughs> awesome. We are going to um, dive straight in this morning. Um, oh, this is a... So uh, I have the privilege of uh, kind of wrapping up our series on who am I, uh, our identity in Jesus, living in true identity. Uh, and I get to talk to you today and uh, share with you uh, this piece of... Oh, thank you. <laughs> there we go. Um, we, have look, we have gone through all of these. They're coming up on the screen just a second. I am in Jesus. I am forgiven. I'm alive, raised up, and seated with Jesus. I'm holy and blameless. I am loved and can grasp it. I am victorious. I have God's power. That was a very quick one. <laughs> um, and I have been chosen to bear fruit is what, uh, is what I'm going to be talking about today. So, um, so, yeah. You have been chosen. Good news, right? Yes, you have been chosen. You are chosen because you are loved, and you are chosen because you have a purpose. Um, if you have a Bible or, um, or a Bible on your phone or whatever, or you can just listen to me. It won't come up on the screen, um, but this is a very whistle-stop tour through a couple of verses. Just, this is just truth. This is end of, you are chosen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Ephesians 1 verse 3. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. How nuts is that? He chose us in him before the foundation of the world of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will 1 Peter 2 verse 9 you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies the greatness of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. (laughs) And Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. He looks at you and he sees you as in a gallery where where the spotlight is on a painting and he looks at you and says, you are my masterpiece. You are my masterpiece. You are my most amazing piece of art and creation. So very quickly, before we kind of look at the main passage of uh, the Bible that I'm going to be speaking on today, I just want to look at the uh, difference between fruit and good works. Uh, Because this is an important distinction to make. They are very similar but they're not quite the same. Um, and so, so let's just have a look at this. So fruit, fruit is the product, right? It's the evidence. If you look at an apple tree, you expect to see the evidence of it 
being an apple tree in that it produces apples, right? So fruit is the evidence. And in this context in the Bible, that, that analogy, that metaphor, fruit, is, the, is talking about the evidence of a relationship with God. It's the evidence of our connection with God and that if we are in Jesus and becoming like Jesus, then the evidence will be that we will start to look like him. And living by the Spirit, and we'll kind of come back to that in a minute. Um, And then good works is action. Good works is the action taken as a result of the inner working of grace. This is by faith, and this is by knowing God. This is not a good works works because I'm trying to gain his approval. Works because I've got to do something meaningful for him. Works because... Um, if I don't, then I'm going to end up in hell. This is, this is the, the natural, organic outpouring of the grace, the work that he is doing in us and the grace that he's given us, that gift that we don't deserve. And that is the, the outworking of it. So if you can just hold on to uh, these definitions as we continue. So... Fruit and good works, they are intended to function together. So in the context, we're going to be looking at uh, John 15 in just a minute, uh, which is all around uh, Jesus describing himself as the true vine. So we're going to be kind of going with that, with that analogy in that passage this morning. So if we, can, if we hold fruit, I'll just put this on for a second, fruit and good works together, Fruit plus good works equals healthy vine. Okay? So that's a, if you're a maths person. I'm really not, so I'm quite surprised I'm using this like an equation. But um, just hold that in your head. Fruit and good works together equals healthy vine. Works without fruit are just a lot of leaves. Just a lot of leaves. So if you can, if you've got your Bible or a, f- a phone with your Bible app on it, if you just uh, turn to John 15, oh, we're going to start at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, two weeks ago, Chris talked to us a little bit about this. That is absolutely negative. You can do nothing apart from him. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withered and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, 
so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. On to verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love each other. It's good stuff, right? So when Jesus was uh, talking to the disciples, he would often use like the culture of his day. He would use illustrations from normal, very regular things happening around him all the time to describe truths and principles relating to the Father and relating to the kingdom of God. And this, this passage, this section in the Bible, is such a powerful illustration of the intimate relationship between us and Jesus and the Father, Father God. And there is, just, there is so much to hear and understand in this passage. We, we're probably not going to get to it all today. I'm going to try my best. Um, Jesus is the true vine. He calls himself the true vine because there are a lot of other vines. There are false vines. But Jesus here is saying, I am the true vine. The other vines, the false vines that the world provides, that people graft themselves onto, hoping that it's going to give them life, it's going to fill a void, it's, it's going to satisfy them. It's not going to do that. Those false vines are not going to fill a longing of being satisfied, of being accepted, of being deeply connected in relationship and knowing who you really are. So Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. There is no other vine that is going to satisfy you. No other vine is going to give you the life that you are longing for. They may look like quite good vines, but I'm the true vine. So the question I'm going to ask now, and I'm going to kind of move on, but I'm just going to put out to you, is are you, are we connected to the true vine? And I think I would put to each one of us, and including myself, and I see this in myself as well, I, I, I believe there are, there are kind of almost little areas in our lives where we are not quite connected to the true vine, where we're connected to something else. And uh, Holy Spirit will show you what they are for you. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So he's talking to us here. We are the branches. And Chris, as Chris shared with us a couple of weeks ago, the branch, is, if this is the trunk and the, my arm is the branch, the branch is an extension of what it's connected to. So the branch draws its source of life from the main trunk. 
of the vine, all the nutrients, all the water, all of it comes from the main trunk of the vine. So connection to the true vine, to Jesus, abiding in Jesus, will inevitably begin to produce fruit, as Matthew 3 verse 8 says, in keeping with repentance. So that means he will, he will begin to produce fruit in keeping with our lives being turned around and facing Jesus and walking with Jesus. So connection to Jesus, living in Jesus and living according to the Spirit will be reflected in what we become like and what we start doing. So living your life, abiding in Jesus, will produce the fruit of a change in our identity, in our attitudes, in our thoughts and in our behavior and so much more. If you want to flick over in your Bibles to Galatians 5, we're going to start from verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's no cap on any of it. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So this week I've spent, uh, I've spent quite a lot of time reading up about grapevines. Uh, and uh, we, we used to have one, actually, years ago. We uh, lived, our, our very first house that we bought was in Chartham, just kind of uh, near to Canterbury. And uh, it was a little kind of two up, two down, end of terrace, uh, kind of Victorian house. And we had an amazing grapevine uh, in like a, on like a courtyard outside our house. I think I've got, I found a picture of it. It's terrible quality. Uh, but there you go. There's the uh, grapevine. There it is. There you go. Uh, so that's just, ha- that's like, no, that's not even half of it. It was like big. It was big. Like we, I'd harvest grapes every year. I got really into making jam. Um, I actually, <laughs> I, I, I made grape juice and then totally forgot the principle of fermentation. Uh, so I like made jam and grape juice as Christmas presents and um, we gave this away to family and um, one family member decided that they were going to keep their grape juice until New Year's Eve, um, totally not realising that of course it will have fermented um, in that time and they, uh, they opened it and it literally exploded all over the kitchen, they had to like put it outside the house, <laughs> it's almost like you have some time out out there like, um, and uh, yeah it was... Um, it was, very, it was very fruitful. 
it was very fruitful. I was never able to fully harvest all of the grapes off of it. And um, do you know what? I really liked the leaves. I really liked the leaves. I liked, I, I liked how like, full it looked. Right? It looks full in that picture, doesn't it? I loved how full it looked. It looked pretty. It looked alive. But do you know what? In my, in my, um, in my kind of reading up about grapevines uh, this week, I have, uh, and I'm kind of slightly getting into a bit of gardening as well. You get to a certain age, you get into a bit of gardening. And I've realized that just like the fruit, the leaves are drawing nutrients and life from the vine too. And actually, what would have been great in order for to produce actually bigger grapes is if I had pruned away loads more of those leaves, like loads more. You you still need some leaves for shade and protection from wildlife, but you also need to cut away quite a lot of those leaves to allow for the sunlight and for, for air to get to those leaves. Because if you don't have enough sunlight and enough air getting to those, uh, sorry, to the fruit, to the grapes, then they won't grow as big. They will start to go, go moldy. Um, there's, something, there's something in that for, for you around that. Um, so it's the same principle with a plant. If you're trying to encourage a flower, you prune away a lot of the leaves kind of on the bottom of the stem so that a greater amount of energy is used by the flower. So we are the branch. We are an extension of what we're connected to. If we're connected to Jesus, we will be an extension of Jesus. We will be Jesus-like and Christ-like. And here in John 15, the vine dresser, or the gardener in some translations, is Father God. And Father God is passionately invested in our fruitfulness. He is passionately invested in our fruitfulness. He wants for us and he longs for us and his heart towards us is that you bear fruit, big juicy fruit, and that you bear more fruit. And he will take care of too many leaves and he will take care of crazy strands that start kind of looking like they are kind of going off in a really weird direction. He will take care of those in order for you to be super, super fruitful. You may already be aware, Kent is uh, fast becoming a uh, known as English wine country. Do you know this? Yeah. So it's the combination of um, uh, south-facing chalky soil and the climate becoming more mild, uh, which is now very similar to the conditions of the Champagne region of France. Uh, so it's creating like perfect conditions for the wine growing industry here. Uh, has anyone ever walked through a vineyard near here? Anyone? Yes. Um, anyone else find it really satisfying to see the, like, the organized rows and the lines? Yes. Um, there's something about lines, isn't there? This is more, I don't know if this is more of a, a, a guy thing, but like Josh has just gotten really, well, I say just gotten, in the last couple of years, gotten really into like, mowing the lawn and getting those like really straight lines it's like (laughs) 
an encouraging comment on Mo lines should, I think, be added to the list of love languages. Oh. <laughs> um, so Father God is the gardener. He's the vine dresser. And something that is important to remember before we start looking at the implication of this passage on our own individual lives is that Father God is the vine dresser of a vineyard. Sometimes, uh, and, and increasingly so in the culture that we live in, we, we, are, we, are often, we often lean to thinking individually that we are the vineyard. But when I, on my own, am not a vineyard, I'm a branch. And together, the church, the body of Christ, is God's vineyard. It's not just about our branch. It's not just about our own walk with God. But it's about the whole vineyard, the whole body of Christ. This passage makes it Uh, It shows us without a shadow of a doubt that we are created to be in community with one another, to be a whole vineyard, to be one vineyard where we bear fruit together. And the fruit that we produce is not primarily for our benefit. It's for the Father. It's for the vine dresser. And I love that uh, Jesus says here in, in verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Our fruit makes God happy, which makes us happy. You can go home right now. Like, that's just... <laughs> oh. Now, we ca- I feel like we can't kind of read through this and not um, and not kind of look at the the like the elephant in the passage as it were like the elephant in the room the elephant in the package passage has anyone read this passage before and ever gotten stuck on, on verse six? Let me read it to you. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown. Uh, oh, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Anyone ever got stuck on that? Just me? No? Okay. I don't know about you. I've, I've found that I... Coming to an, an understanding and uh, kind of like having my eyes opened to seeing and knowing how good God is is a process, right? And... I've often got stuck on that verse because I've not fully understood how, how good God is, and I, and, I, and I still don't, but I feel like I'm getting closer. And I've, I've often taken a verse like that, and it's definitely led to like a religious fear in me, uh, where I've thought, you know, oh, I've hardly prayed this week, oh, I haven't, I've hardly read my Bible this week, or I just haven't at all. What if I'm going to get cut off and burned? right? And then the results of that, because that leads to fear, is, is like religious duty and work, right? I have, to, I have to earn my way back. Like I've got to make, I've got to make God happy because it, like, 
if I've got to pray, I've got to read my Bible, and I've got to, I've got to start like producing fruit, otherwise he's going to cut me off and throw me into the fire. This verse is not the main point of this passage. It is a minor point where Jesus is saying, if you deliberately choose to disconnect from me entirely, if you deliberately choose to disconnect from me entirely, if you choose not to abide in relationship with me, this is what's going to happen. But it's, it has to be a very deliberate choice on our end. But Jesus' purpose is always to reveal who the Father is to us in truth. And so when you pan back and look at this whole passage, you'll see that this passage is all about fruit, and it's all about how the Father wants to help us to be fruitful. The Father, the vine dresser, isn't looking at his vineyard. He's not looking at the branch and think, how am I going to kill this? He's not looking at the vineyard or the branch and saying, how can I destroy this vine? How can I hack it back until it's nothing, until it dies? He's not, he's not looking at the vineyard like that. He wouldn't have a job. <laughs> the vine dresser doesn't have a job if there's no vineyard. But he, because he loves us, the vine dresser is thinking, how can I make this vineyard the most fruitful vineyard? What can I do with this branch? What can I do with this vineyard that is going to produce bigger fruit and more fruit? What can I do to strengthen this branch? The heart of God is to make you fruitful and more fruitful. The heart of God is not that you are cut off and burned. Let's just look at uh, verse 2 in that John passage. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Some versions say he cuts off. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. It's, we believe that the Bible is the living written word of God. And it's often helpful for our understanding to look a bit deeper into how it's been translated so that verse, every branch in me that does not t- bear fruit, he takes away, or he cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, is another translation says, it's a little bit of a poor translation, because the root word in the original language actually means to lift up. He lifts up every branch in me that doesn't bear any fruit. That's a, like a that's like a whole different thing, right? I'm just going to let that sit because when I when I realised that, and I was I was chatting with Chris Kimmins a couple of weeks ago about this, and he, and he shared this with me, and I've looked into it a bit more. I've, I felt like it was like a whole new, wow. God is that good. Any branch in me that isn't bearing fruit, he lifts up. So often on, like a, on a vine, 
as a new branch is, branch is growing, sometimes they can grow downwards and they can grow so far down that they kind of end up sit, like lying on the ground. And so part of the vine dresser's responsibility is to pick that branch up of off the ground, rinse off all of the mud and all of the debris, cut off any dead leaves, disconnect it from any secondary roots that it might have started to put down, and then prop it back up on the trellis. And that's what God does with us. It's not judgment, it's rescue, and it's redirection. He's so good. He's so much better than we think. I uh, I found this uh, picture here. This is... um, This is still done to this day uh, in the Holy Land uh, where farmers would lift their vines off the ground. They would prop them on a rock. I love that. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and he set my feet upon a rock. Making my steps secure. How good is that? If you're here today and you, and you aren't sure whether your life is bearing fruit, this should be like one serious encouragement to you. The Lord wants to lift you up. He wants to set your feet on a rock. He wants to position you and help you and rescue you and give you new direction so that you will bear fruit. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, you are not a raisin. (laughs) You're not a raisin. You're not dried up and shriveled up, about to be thrown away. You are a fruit-bearing branch in God's vineyard. You are a fruit-bearing branch in God's vineyard. Your life is the evidence of your connection, your intimacy, and your relationship with God. Your life is the evidence of Jesus walking here still on the earth. And as a result of that, what will organically start to happen, what will naturally start to happen, and we can lean into it, before we even feel it, is that we can start to take action because of everything that he's done for us, because of just how good he is, because he sets, oh, it's not up there anymore, but because he sets our feet upon a rock, because he has rescued us and redirected us, and our lives will never be the same. Why don't you stand? You have been chosen to be fruitful and more fruitful. You go all the way back to Genesis when God created humankind and he, said, he spoke that over us. He says, be fruitful and multiply. That means bear fruit and more fruit. It is a declaration that he spoke over our identity, who we are, It was spoken over us by our creator. 
That is who we are. That is who you are, period. You have been created and designed to bear fruit. You've been created and designed to look like Jesus. You have been created and designed that the evidence of your life and the the evidence of the Spirit working in you and the evidence of walking with the Spirit looks like Jesus. It looks like love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and all of the others. We rarely arrive at those overnight. We most likely won't arrive at those before we go and meet him, before we die. But... God is taking us from glory to glory to glory. It's all about more. He wants, he wants more for us. He wants more for us. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week and remember you're loved.